You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. 1935, the Lions win the NFL championship. The Detroit Tigers take the World Series. The Red Wings bring home Lord Stanley's Cup. Joe Lewis begins his rise to world domination. This transforms the Motor City into Detroit, City of Champions. Uh, I, get, I get pumped, man. I hear that music. I just, I'm telling you, Charles, every week I am pumped for Detroit, City of Champions, the story of uh, 1935, hanging out with you and, and Tom I just uh, and Matt Fox pushing our buttons. Matt Fox is here this week. That's awesome. Yeah. Yay! Yeah, made it. I, I what just snow? missed them last couple what weeks. What snow? I don't Seriously, care. I'm not a sports person by any shape of the imagination, but these stories uh, and that are coming together with you being, uh, you know, just the journeyman journalist that it, it just pulled these things together. Tom, you, you got so much experience uh, and so much firsthand knowledge of so many of these great people. Uh, and then Matt and I just sit here in awe of uh, the, the fun that, that we get to have. And, and tell these stories from your trilogy of books that uh, we're, we're going to make this darn thing. A, 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 it is a screenplay. It we needs got to be screenplay. The next step is actually turn it into the, to the first the, the first sports epic movie ever made. I do. I want to see it. I want to. It's and there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of things that'll be uh, it could come to life. I mean, there's so many outlets for for that side of things. So uh, we'll share the stories and then uh, people find out about it. We're in the middle of sharing the Red Wings. Story though, right? Yeah, this we're is a cool yeah, middle one. beginning. There's a, there's so much to tell. I say we're still at the beginning of it all. Really. It really is, yeah. I mean, it's um. There's there's a lot that we're gonna. There's we're, that's. But I just why I love to be able to unpack this story. Yeah. Uh, like one episode at a time because there is a ton to unpack and it's and it's just to glance over some of this stuff is just to really do an injustice to um the details themselves, like to the stories and the people that did it. So where where did we leave off? What did we touch on last time? Uh, well, last last time we talked about the uh, we we talked about how uh, James Norris came to town mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the in the uh, in the Cougars they would they'd gone from the Cougars to the Falcons and then James Nor- James Norris came in because they, they were, needed money they were almost bankrupt they almost were bankrupt. they were bankrupt yep. and uh, yep and then James Norris uh, gave them you know now he brings in um you know money into this into I love it when million- I love when millionaires fight each other. Yeah, and that was the other thing is the, <laughs> we, we we started to we started to sort of uh, like unpack the uh, we started to unpack the the story the 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 rivalry between Norris and Frederick McLaughlin, who was the the owner of the uh, the Blackhawks. What could go wrong when millionaires start oh, to fight? That's the greatest type of fight that there is, right? Yeah, you know? everybody loves that kind of fight yeah. money, where money yeah. So, well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to see him Sunday at the Super Bowl, the millionaires hitting yeah. the millionaires. Oh yeah, my God. now they're right? on the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now the millionaires yeah. are on the they're field. Yeah. On the, field. <laughs> the billionaires are the billionaires are fighting in the yeah. stands. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So that's where we were, we um, we were talking about James Norris and the, just the incredible impact he had on this on uh, hockey in Detroit. Right. Not only did he bring the name Red Wings, um, you know, based on the Montreal Maroons or I'm sorry, Montreal Winged Wheelers. Mm-hmm. You know, he brought that with him. Uh, to you know, to Detroit and and became the Red Wings. Um, so that's we so we so he br- brings in that, and he also brings in he brings the cash that they need to actually compete like a legitimate NHL hockey club um, yeah. amongst the heavyweights that are out there. So so this so yeah, that's where what's, we what's on tap for today. What are we so, going to look at today? Well, what's not, so anyway? So um so what we touched on was uh, um how in Norris's first season uh, the the um the the uh, the first season as the Red Wings. 
the team goes on to uh, goes to the Stanley Cup. They're saying Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, okay. just make sure it's accurate. So we don't have to do an apology later. Yeah. On. <laughs> um, that's, yeah, so we have to do the thing. So, Dear fans that actually know yeah. their crap, we would like to severely yes. apologize. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. So actually, the first year of the Red Wings, they go to the, they win their first playoff series in thirty two, thirty three, right, and then thirty three, thirty four. The following year, um, Norris opens up his pot his his bankroll and gets a. Uh, a guy named Ralph Cooney Weiland from uh, from from Ottawa, who's like one of the best scorers in the NHL, and had had a massive rivalry with Herbie Lewis uh, in the, in their minor league days. And Cooney Weiland, uh, and also the we talked about Wilf Cude, how the goalies, how he was on loan from Montreal Canadiens, and the, and he became the best goalie in the league that year. Yeah, and they propelled them to the Stanley Cup, and that was the year thirty three thirty four. And then they lost to the Blackhawks in that first Stanley Cup or in their first Stanley Cup appearance. One to nothing in triple in double overtime. They lost to the Blackhawks, which to the you know to the to the you know of any team they could have lost to, it could have, you know Frederick McLaughlin and the Blackhawks. That's who they got beat by. Mm. You know by Norris's first Stanley Cup appearance for his team, they get beat. And so um, and so, anyways, yeah. So that was thirty three, thirty four, and we started, and then so we really left off in thirty four, thirty five, which is really the predis the, the year the the season prior to the the, uh, the the main focus of the show. So 34-35 is like the primer. So like, kind of like with the Tigers. Yeah. The Tigers in 1934 um, came out of nowhere and they galvanized the entire uh, Detroit sports you know, world. Like the entire Detroit fandom is going crazy for the Tigers. It was a renaissance for the Tigers in 34. They go all the way to the World Series and lose in seven games. And then the Lions come to Detroit in 1934. They win 10 straight games before folding at the end of the year. How do you not take it all when you win 10 straight games? Exactly. Well, they ran, into, 13, they ran into the Bears. Games, yeah. They oh, ran into the, the Bears. Stop Bears. Exa- exactly. So the Bears, and they also ran, yeah, they ran into the Bears. They also ran into the Packers, but they yeah. lost twice to the Bears and got knocked out. So, Ugh. and so anyway, that's, you know, that's sort of, we already talked about the, how the birth of the, that rivalry yep. became, you know, beginning in that year. And then so at this time, you know, Joe Lewis is coming up out of nowhere. He still wasn't a household name, but he was his name was becoming known in fight circles, as we'll see when we get to that section of our story. But uh, so anyways, there's a lot of things going on in Detroit 1934 and everything except for the Red Wings, because the Red Wings are awful in 1933 or in 1934, <laughs> uh, 35. So while everybody else is doing really great, yeah. um, the Red Wings are just, they're, you know, they're, not, they're awful. They're not, I mean, they're not like the worst team ever, right, right. ever played, but they still, they only won, they had, they had, uh, uh, they had 19 wins, 22 losses, seven ties. So they were, in, they were just unspectacular. There was nothing, right. they were irrelevant in a city that were full of growing winners. You right, see? right. So, but, and then, just not to get off track or ahead of ourselves, because I'm sure we'll do an episode uh, or two on them, but uh, the Olympians, right? Olympics, yeah. The Olympics. Um, how are they doing as as a minor league? Or is it that well, here we, that's a little what, That's what we left off with is the one bit of good news for this franchise right. okay. is they won the 1934-35 IHL championship. Okay. So whereas the Red Wings are playing like on stream, they're not the worst team in the league that year, but right. they – um, but they're, but uh, you know, they're, but they're, they're back page news compared to the Tigers and even the Lions, who sure, the Lions are trying sure. to compete for coverage with the Tigers. But the Red Wings were certainly back news, and hockey still had not truly captured the the public's uh, imagination. At we that had point. more Canadians coming over from Windsor exactly. to watch hockey yes. than we had, you know, the, than, American than actual hockey Detroit fans. fans watching hockey. Yeah, there's yeah. more fans come from Windsor to cheer on these Canadian teams. Than there was actual Detroiters showing up to these games, yep. and so um, and that's you know you also got the Olympics playing at Olympia Stadium, which you've already talked about on previous shows. Yeah. How that was unique in sports was that you'd have a minor league team playing in the same stadium as the majors, yeah. and I think that was actually kind of beneficial for the the gate because 
you know, you might because they played other the different teams besides like you know you know the Red Wings would play like the Maple Leafs, but then um, the Olympics would play like the Cleveland Bulldogs. Yeah. You know, they would play like these different cities, and so there might be people that might be interested to in see in that matchup. So. So yeah, so the minor league team play there. So the Olympics play there. In the Olympics, while the Red Wings are doing terrible, um, the Olympics are winning the IHL championship in this year. Okay, and so the, you know, and, the, and again, we talked about last week how um, uh, Donnie Hughes, who was with Jack Adams in Ottawa, mm-hmm. uh, he was a, he was a trainer with Ottawa while Jack Adams was winning the Stanley Cup, and then Donnie Hughes was the guy who was the coach of the Olympics. Uh, he's actually in the team photo that we showed a few a few episodes ago. Donnie Hughes is in that um, Ottawa uh, Stanley Cup champion photo, the team photo. But um, but anyways, um, so Donnie Hughes is running the team and for the Olympics, and they in the Olympics win their championship. So um, and so anyways, so, so Jack Adams now is in the situation where, um, so Jack Adams and James Norris are all in the situation where they're not blind to the fact that they are basically irrelevant in a city full of winners. Yeah. Okay. And really, they in in a way, um, they kind of dodged a bullet because if the red if the Tigers had won a World Series and the Lions had won a championship and all this stuff has happened, they were dismal. Yeah, and they they would have really been irrelevant. Right. They would have been like, well, we don't we only care for winners here. You know, you guys were yeah. part of it. And so now all of a sudden, so that the you know the Tigers had come just close, and then the Lions had come just so close. They were, both were there, and so now that so thirty four, I've said it from the very the very first episode that. Um, that th- 1934 was the primary year. Mm. It was the year. It's essential. Like 19. Whenever I talk about 35, you always got to talk about 34 and mm. all the stuff because 34, all the stuff that happened in 34 set up 35. You know, like I say, the Tigers get to the World Series. The Lions come into the. They, that was their first year, and then they win. You know, they get all. They win 10 games, and they do all this stuff. And Joe Lewis had. You know, was was working his way through the ranks all the way through 34 to set up his big year in 35. And so in this case. The Red Wings are um, the primer for them is is that they're awful mm. and they know they're awful and they know that they're like next year the Tigers like are the like you know the the 1935 Tigers were probably the most anticipated baseball season at least in Detroit history I mean I can't say that it was the most anticipated but I but when you read the articles about the busloads of people that are traveling down to Florida to you know to, to Lakeland Florida which is that late 34 was the first year they played in Lakeland which is their their, their, their home now. Um, when they have caravans of people, they have people hitchhiking down to Florida. They've got Walter Hagen and Newell Banks, who we're going to find out the world checkers champion is down there playing blindfold checkers with people in the park. You know, like there, like there's, I mean, they, there, this was, uh, you know, at the time, the celebrities of Detroit mm. were all on caravans headed to Lakeland to watch the Tigers. They were so excited about oh. the 1935 season. And so, like I say, the excitement was just palpable. I mean, it was in the air. And then the Lions, of course, they're like going through their own restructuring, and they, they they know they have to try to do something to keep pace with the Tigers. They they can't be they can't let down on their on their ability to compete. And so again, so this is where we're going to sort of begin today is this idea that James Norris and uh, Jack Adams they know that 1935 is going to be a big year. That if they want, this is their chance. You know, they play the the hockey followed the other sports, so. Um, you know, so so the Tigers, Lions, and that would be playing, and then the Red Wings season would be kicking off. So they know that, um, you know, so they're like when they're playing in thirty four, thirty five, that you know, the primary year, they're sitting there watching all this excitement building for this next season, and they know that they're not part of it, uh, and they want to be a yeah, part of it because yeah. if they can, because they, you know, if they can compete, if they can be part of this renaissance, if they can be mentioned in the same breath as the Tigers, as the Lions, if they that they, that that puts them. It makes them part of the sporting fabric of the city, you know. It's, and so that that's that was their ultimate objective was to lay the foundation for hockey in Detroit, um, to build a franchise, 
and to make it so that it's not just Windsor fans, you know, not just Canadian fans. And um, and that's where they're they, – so they knew that they needed a major revamp. This team, like, they'd been to the Stanley Cup the prior year, and they knew they had these core players. And it just like a refresher, you have Ebby Goodfellow, Herbie Lewis, Larry Ory, um, Johnny Sorrell, and Doug Young. These five guys we talked about in a previous show, we kind of described, like, their, their sort of playing styles and characteristics. Yeah. Um, these five guys were Adams knew like they, they, they all knew that, you know, they knew that these are their guys. In fact, Eddie Goodfellow was the captain at this moment. And so they, they knew that they had their sort of anchor players uh, set in place. So what is it that brings them out of this dip? And, well, and, that's what and we're going to be talking out. about for the next two episodes. Cause it's a lot to cover Yeah, okay. because there's, because think about it. The, the rosters at this time were 15. They had 15 guys on a roster. Wow. They played way less games so that, yeah. you know, it's not taking away from guys nowadays going, oh, you know, they better only play with 15 guys. But yeah, well, they played like half as many games now, sure, too. Sure, so, yeah. So, but anyways, um, so, so, but Adams knew he needed a major roster revamp. That it, okay. This one didn't get it done. And so, um, he knew he had his, he knew he had his five guys. Um, really, at the time, he thought he had six in right. Cooney Wyland. Cooney Wyland was their lone all star. He was the only guy that they had. He was like, one of, if not the, I haven't written down, one of, if not the best goal scorer of the year that year. Okay. I mean, he's an offensive, like, dynamo. This is yeah. like a, I mean, um, if anybody that's listening that follows hockey, like, the way I've seen descriptions of Cooney Wyland, at least in my mind, it was, is like if everybody's ever seen, like, Theoren Fleury, like Theo Fleury back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Kind of a smaller guy, but it was, like, kind of compact, you know, scrapper type, and would score just, you know, could score all the time, like, always a threat. Cooney Wyland was a star. Okay. And so that was, like, their one of their best players. I mean, he was, like, the, so it really at that, at that moment, there was really, at the very least, maybe in Adam's mind, six guys they had, um, but other things would transpire that would, you know, reduce it down to five, as we're about to find out. So what's the what's the first piece uh, so of the puzzle? So the first piece of the puzzle. So that's what we're going to get to. So, so we're going to take this. We're going to take this. Uh, like I say, in two parts because there's the is the, so the today we're going to be talking about um, the the you know the first batch of guys they got to replace yeah. it. Okay. So um so like I said, there's fi- so so the first guy that we're talking about here today. See, you know what I love about this is is like so you know Tom when when I met Charles, it's like we were at like this uh, art fair, and he's like selling his book and stuff and he, he's telling me the story and it's just he's got about a minute and a half to, to tell me the story and it's just it's really the cursory story of the yeah. big oh big it's three. a quick summary yeah and it's like and it's i love that we get to sit down and we're like getting into each one of these individual players that that made this yeah. tick yeah you it's, know it's vast yeah. You know, and it, it's and I think there there's such important stories for the 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 city, and and for the for not the and for the sport and for athletics uh, to share. I just I, I love this. Yeah, I, I, I love this. I totally man. do too. I so who's this cat? Yeah. Who's so, this first cat? So you got and so like so this is this is this is like one of the coolest guys. I know I always like this is my favorite guy. <laughs> no, but so, they're all but great. And Ebby is like I say, Ebby Ebby Goodfellow is my favorite pound for pound Red Wing from this era. Yeah, my favorite sort of fan favorite from '35 was Buckle McDonald. But you but like like I almost feel bad that I don't list. And this is the guy we're talking about today, Sid Howell, ah. the Ottawa Assassin. Yeah, all right, the coolest nickname like. Of like we talk a lot about nicknames, but like, how do you get a better nickname than the Ottawa Assassin? <laughs> the like Ottawa. that is pretty awesome. Right, <laughs> like, that right, is right. like that is like the pretty much the coolest nickname of all time. Uh-huh. That's how we're leading there, them off. There's today. a backstory in there somewhere. Oh well, that's what we're going to get to on today's episode. Oh. Episode number twenty, what seven? Yes, Sid, Sid <laughs> Howe, <laughs> the Ottawa Assassin. Yes. <laughs> and we were going to do an entire episode on Sid Howe, but uh, okay. today we're going to do a little bit of a glance over just to show because the acquisition of him. Um, so uh the so there was a major acquisition. So so here's so this is the story, okay? 
in 19 so we've already got to the point where we're talking about how in 34 the red wings know they're just you know they're the they have to do something right right and it's so it's at this moment so it's february 11th and it, there's 14 14 games left in the season um when this announcement comes through that uh jack adams uh, the james norris and jack adams have just acquired two players all right sid howe okay and also uh ralph scotty bowman okay, okay? So the, but right off the bat, I just want to get right through to anybody that's listening, okay? And I and this is what's and we're gonna this is kind of Sid Howe is not related to Gordy. Let's just get this off the table. All right. What about Sid Howe the, is not related to Gordy? Okay. And then there's a modern day coach, of course. Everybody you know modern Scotty, Scotty Bowman. Bowman for the Red Wings, and this Scotty Bowman is not related to him, okay? Right. But now got, I want to say he's got a look though. Okay, but here's the thing. Now I want to say something that's like kind of like a you know, like a sad situation here, yeah. Which is that the fact that I have to lead off. The fact that I have to st- – like every time – you mentioned art shows. Mm-hmm. When I'm doing this stuff at art shows, when I'm talking to people at art shows and stuff, yeah. and I have to – and every time I mention Sid Howell or I mention Scotty Bowman, everybody goes, oh, the Scotty Bowman? You know, like – or it's like, oh, 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 is it Sid yes, Howell? Yes, it's, it like, it's, it's the, the Scotty Bowman. Oh, is that Bowman. like Scotty – like is that – you know, they don't know. They can't place the year Scotty Bowman. Right, they, right, they right, think right. maybe this was like Scotty Bowman was like that. I mean, you know, Scotty Bowman. Yeah. And then they also Sid Howe. They think yeah. they're like, oh, my God. That's Gordy. Is that is that Gordy Howell's relative or whatever? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the sad thing is, is that I have to put a disclaimer every single time. And these guys shouldn't have a guys. disclaimer. They should be right. Have a they, disclaimer. These guys are exactly these guys in their own right. These guys should be stars in their own right. These guys should be in the. They should pantheon. have a statue. Yeah, well, or a banner. Uh, Sid Howell should have a statue. Scotty Bowman, you know, I mean, like he was a great player too. Yeah, Statuarily, yeah. I don't know, but he was really good. Yeah, he was really, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, but in his like. His name, at the very least, should be well known. Yeah, he was a great player. I, and so, um, in Sid House, you know, in, in Sid Howe, at the end of his career, when he retired from the Red Wings, uh, eleven and a half years after he came to the Red Wings, Sid Howe was the all-time goal scorer in the NHL. Mm. And when Gordy Howe comes in, well, this was this was what's so ironic. Yeah, is that here we are in the in the modern day, and I've got a prerequisite everything with Sid Howe was not related to Gordy. Scotty Bowman is not related to the you know the the coach that we all know. But at the time, in 1946, when Gordy Howe came along, yeah. right? When he came along, everybody wanted to know if Gordy was related to Sid. Okay. It was a complete reversal right. because Sid Howe was the greatest goal scorer. He was at most goals yeah. in NHL history at that point. And, and they're all like, oh, my God, Gordy Howe, are you related to Sid? You know what I mean? It was reversed because <laughs> yeah. yeah. they're like, oh, man, if there's another Sid Howe, my God, uh, yeah. we might be onto something here. And, then, and so now here we are down the road, and it's going to be completely reversed. And that's what's so kind of bizarre. Um, you know, not taking anything from Gordy, of course, but the, but as I'm saying, like, but these players, their names should should carry their own weight. It shouldn't have a disclaimer. Yeah. The modern day Scotty Bowman coach. It should be a coincidence that we also have a legend yeah. whose name was Scotty Bowman, and it was a, a a legend before he got there. I've I've heard of Sid Howe. Yeah. Never heard of the other Scotty. Bowman. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like this is that's why this that's that is this it's for this reason. This is you know of a many reasons I yeah, guess. Yeah, but yeah. that's another reason why I love doing this show because now we can talk about these guys and say like you know here from now on, fellas, from now on, I'm not gonna I just do this for me. Right. I am not gonna say anymore. 
that that these guys that Sid Howell is not related to Gordy. Tell me about and the I am assassin. not going to say anymore that Scotty Bowman is not related to the the modern day coach. If you guys want to do it, if you want to tell the viewers at home, I won't do it. If you guys want to tell the viewers at home who this is, then go ahead. <laughs> but from here on out on this show, nope. We this is like a, a this is we almost expect you at this point for the, you the viewer at home, right? If You've we say educated. Sid Howe. If we say Scotty Bowman, it's almost to be like a tongue-in-cheek joke. If somebody puts something in the comments going, is that related to Gordy? Guess what? Go back to episode 27 and listen to Charles sit there and go on a rant about why it should not be that way. And listen to all – we'll know that they haven't listened to all the episodes. If they That's get to it. the point, they're like, oh, is that related to Gordy? You haven't heard the emphasis right. that we put on right now with this exclamation mark. So, so anyways, tell me about the it. assassin. All right, so as I've already given away a few points of the story that I had laid out here, all prim and proper. Like the notes are kind of like out of order now. Yeah. But, but you get the general, like you know, the Ottawa assassin. You know, it's he's known because he's just like. Do we have a, do we have the picture of the cream? Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So um, I made this for today because it's 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 cool because you see the, the the color photo is uh, Sid right there. Yeah. Sid Howe, like there's I got a ton of pictures of him, and Sid Howe was like the picture most picturesque hockey player that you could be. Yeah. Perfectly proportioned, great looking guy. Um, <clears throat> and just, you can see, I put that newspaper article then with him skating because yeah. you can see him curving around the, the net. Like he is in full bore, like assassin mode. Mm. I mean, he is curling around this net and he looks like he is about to explode at full speed, head up the ice. Everything I've ever seen, like pretty much every picture, when I was looking for a few photos to throw up on the screen. Mm-hmm. It was hard to choose which picture to, to bring out because there are so many, um, just like every pose of him. Like we had, we did the picture with Dutch Clark where it was called the American football player. Yeah. And it's like, it was the same with him. Like every picture, he's like this prototypical hockey player. Like he just looks cool. <laughs> like he mm-hmm. just looks cool in his gear and he's just, yeah, there is a, that's there's the American. Dutch. That's how, yeah. But that's how Sid Howell, like every picture, he's just like, you know, this like this classic <laughs> hockey pose. And so, and so anyways, so Sid Howell, he's just, you know, he's this electric goal scorer. But here's the thing. So we're going to start sort of just, um, sort of start back because it's a really interesting route that Sid Howell came to to you know get to this point where they where they uh from Ottawa from uh, well, yeah you wait <laughs> sharp guess i didn't ask the, the trivia question but you, you really nailed that one Jamie the Ottawa so, assassin yeah. i'm so I'm good like that so he comes this is my uh, second glass of bourbon too by the way yeah that third one you're really going to be answering the questions really well the third one you're going to be answering the questions like dominoes man knocking them down so anyways so he so he comes out of Ottawa as Jamie so you know get, you know this you know guest um, in 1929-30, comes out of Ottawa, and then he, uh, um, it, and then he goes on. The, the Ottawa puts him on loan. So this is the thing to understand: Ottawa at this moment in time is really struggling. They're they're really struggling. They're, they can't afford their players. Um, they is the, the, the depth of the Great Depression. They can't. They're this legendary hockey club. They won Stanley Cups up and down. Adams was part of the Stanley Cup, on, you know, champion. And so, um, but Ottawa is having all kinds of problems, and th- and it's th- these fluctuating problems that are going to lead to some of these players coming to Detroit. So in nineteen twenty nine thirty, Sid Howell, this is rookie year, he plays a little bit with Ottawa, um, and then after that season, he's put on loan and sent to the Philadelphia Quakers. Okay, which is mm-hmm. a team that had arisen that we we talked about. Uh, just mentioned it earlier on another show that the Pittsburgh Pirates had folded, uh, but they didn't really fold. They actually got relocated. They they were down for I believe a year. And then the next year they were relocated to the Philadelphia where they became the Quakers and had one of the worst seasons. I think the worst season in NHL history. They only had four, they only had, uh, four wins the entire year. Oh. So they were absolutely dreadful. And that was a team that, so, uh, um, so Sid Howe was on that team. And so the following year he goes over to the Maple Leafs and, and, um, uh, so, so he's, so he's on loan. So Ottawa suspended operations in 
1931-32. They don't play. But at the same time, they're like, they didn't fold. They just were like, we just can't afford to really lace up this year. So all of our players we're going to send out on loan, but we're going to retain the rights to the players. So he, so during this like, you know, brief lull in their uh, operations, uh, Sid Howe was sent to the Maple Leafs. And the Maple Leafs at that point had one of the best teams. And I mean, not one of the best. They won the Stanley Cup that year. So the Maple Leafs were dominant. And it, like the, the players on the team were just amazing. And so he just wasn't good enough to be on the team. He was still young. He'd just been on a year, you know, just a couple years on, um, in hockey. And he wasn't good enough at that point. So they sent him down to Syracuse for the minor leagues for the 31-32 season. And then so Ottawa restore, comes back. To, they resume operations in 1932-33, and he plays a season with Ottawa. Um, and then the following season, Ottawa folds, and their team is relocated. Maybe I just said it wrong. If they didn't fold, they were relocated. Okay, mm-hmm. They left Ottawa, and the team moved to St. Louis and became known as the Eagles. All right, And so he plays two years with the Eagles um, in, 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 up into 34-35 when he's acquired by the Red Wings. Now – I know that's a lot I threw at you. I'm not expect you guys to all remember this. If right? there's a quiz, I'm I've scared. got a yeah. You're not you're in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> but so I just so in summary, what I want the reason I walked through all these things is because I wanted to get to the summary, which is is that Sid Howell plays for six teams in his first six years. Wow, six teams in six years. Okay. That's, so, who can ever match? I mean, that's incredible. So, but then, in a good way, he was—he was like people were like, "I want this guy. I want this guy." Yeah, or, he was. Or a were thing. they? Was, was he, you know, yeah, he was a right. You know, he was a potential rising star. Right. And but at the, but it's like imagine you're a player in your first six years. You're. I mean, it's every year. It's a different team. It, I mean, that kind. Of, you know, usually a player can, if they're lucky, they can settle into a spot. They kind of know their role. They grow with their line mates. They learn how to play with the other guys in their team, and they develop some kind of chemistry and a, yeah. build a program. Well, in this case, Sid Howe was just bouncing all over the place, looking for. You know, he was like basically. You know. I don't want to say he's a mercenary. He's just kind of moving along with the tide and trying to stay in hockey and whatever team he can play for. I, I was almost going to use the word mercenary. Yeah, yeah, but a mercenary actually is like you know I'm going to play for this guy for money and you can sign me. This yeah, in yeah. this case he's just kind of like rolling. But you know really his fortunes are attached to Ottawa. Okay, you know the first they put him on loan and then the you know the, and then that team that put him on loan that they got for the lease they sent him to the minors uh. and then he comes back to Ottawa who then moves to St. Louis and he rolls with him. You see, I'm saying yeah, like yeah. he wasn't he wasn't a mercenary. He was just, he was actually cruising along with sure. the fortunes of Ottawa. Right, right, and so. So it was in thirty. So, um, so uh, and at the same also nineteen thirty four thirty five, um, he so he is on this this uh, St. Louis uh, Eagles team with it with Ralph Scotty Bowman and Scotty Bowman. I bl- I kind of bring in this guy into you know into the story so I can explain because once we introduce these two players, it's a we, there's a sort of a story that that ties them you know together with everything. So um, so uh, so so it's Sid Howell's on this uh, St. Louis Eagles team with Scotty Bowman. Who himself had played with Ottawa and now is with uh, say he had nowhere near the track record of um, Sid Howe as far as bouncing so many teams. This is only his second year, yeah. and so Scotty Bowman ends up with um, with uh, uh, Sid Howe in in uh, in with the St. Louis Eagles. Now Scotty Bowman is is Scotty Bowman is like to, I guess you could say the style of play he is. He's a defenseman, and Scotty Bowman is like a tough as nails type. Okay, mm. he's a he's, you know, he's just he's like a, he's a good defenseman, and he is like he's like he's a fighter. He is a scrapper big time. In fact, that's one of the problems that Jack Adams in 35 is going to have to tone him down because he's taken way too many penalties. That's like the that's like one of the things he just fights everybody. <laughs> he fights everybody. And so in and so and one of the things he's also known for in 35 this was uh this was a running joke in 35. Um I'm not sure how much it applied to every single year of his career, but it kind of gives you an idea of of you know his thing because like one of the nicknames that they called him in the newspapers was the stitch in time guy. Oh my god. The stitch in time guy because if you know like hockey players get stitched up whenever yeah. they get cut or whatever. In 1935, 
he's going to go on to have 33 stitches. Jeez. All right. 33 stitches, like in his face and wherever, you know, like maybe his arm or whatever. But generally speaking, it's in his face because yeah. he's taking pucks. You know, there's one game where they, they won a game because he took a puck off his face to God. stop a goal from getting in the goal. They won one to nothing. Yeah, Normie Smith, the goalie, got a shutout, and it was the last shot of the game hit him in the face. Dude. He was like dove across the ice, took one off the face, and they won. They're like, there's three more stitches, that guy. But this is what's so amazing about the stitch story, okay? Like, yeah. you know, okay, great, he had stitches. There's a lot of people get stitches. But no, nah, how many people that get stitches also own a tailor shop in Toronto? Uh, so he's a tailor in the off season, <laughs> and he's getting stitched up I all the time. So that's it. what I mean. Like that's that, so so that's what's so cool about him is like they played off of that job that he has a tailor yeah, to yeah. the nines. Like yeah. I mean, you can see even in his like main photo, well, that's a little bit tiny to see. But even in the photo we've got up on the screen here, um, if you could blow it up at all or look no. get a magnifying glass for your screen, he's got a little cut across the bridge of his nose. Okay. Like he's um he, I don't know if it was stitched or not, but um you can just see it in the picture um if you could look close enough. Um, but so anyway, so he's the stitching time guy. That's the, that's his nickname, you know, by the newspapers and stuff. Yeah. But uh, but anyways, he's a rising, you know, talented defenseman. He's a scrapper. He's a tough guy. Um, and I've got some great photos of him. And I've got this one photo where they're posing for a team photo in front of this airplane. Yeah. It was like in the later. It was like in the later thirties. It wasn't you know this in either of these years. But we'll show it maybe on another episode when we're focusing on him more. But um, but Scotty Bowman is standard. The whole team's lined up for this team photo. And um and and I mean, I got this photo from I got a lot of the photos about from him, including the photo we have on the screen with the that's a painting with where he's in the Eagles jersey, um from his son Gary. I met his son and he's got oh. the entire treasure trove of stuff. Yeah, and so um and so anyways, the photo I'm talking about in front of this airplane, they're all they're all taking their hats off and waving to the camera, and Scotty Bowman's standing there giving the camera the middle finger nice yeah nice <laughs> team photo in front of the airplane well, number one right? yeah nice. he's, he's giving the and he's smiling he's giving the camera the middle finger That's i was like great. that is so awesome so if that like gives you a little bit of a clue you know kind of like his personality like yeah. a little bit you know um that you know that's the kind you know he was like i say a tough as nails uh guy and um and so and in fact he's so tough that reining him in is going to be one of the obstacles that Jack Adams is going to have to overcome, which we'll get to in another episode. Is uh, is he in the Hall of Fame? No. Is uh, uh, Sid? In the I believe Hall of Sid Howe is in the Hall of Fame. Is. Yes, okay. I Sid. believe Sid Howe is in the Hall of Fame. All right. yeah. Um. So, uh, anyways, so yeah, so th- so these are the two guys that the red. So so uh, these are these two guys. They're you know they're 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 both playing great, and, and Sid Howe is playing especially great for Ottawa because um by the end of the year he's going to be the um the American Division scoring champion. With with uh, forty seven points and twenty two goals in um I forgot how many games I, I, I don't want to give it mislead but it's like probably forty eight or forty nine games they played around fifty games at that point okay so, so somewhere around there so anyways um he's got forty seven points long and short about a point a game and um so uh and he plays fourteen games with the Red Wings and um is going to have twenty points for the Red Wings in that season including eight goals in fourteen games so it's that's a great numbers but here's the thing so um. So this this is like that, this is why I want to kind of package them together to talk about it because they came as a package. Okay. All right. On February eleventh, nineteen thirty-five, um, February eleventh, nineteen thirty-five, just as a, just about the time that the Tigers are uh, maybe a month away from going to spring training. Yeah. That's right about the time that they that they're you know the, the, the hype for the Tigers is starting to pick up. And at this moment, Jet and uh, like I say, there's about fourteen games left in the season of the thirty-four thirty-five Red Wings season, and and they spend fifty thousand mm. dollars. 
$50,000 to acquire these two guys. In 1934, in, in, Yes, 35. in 30, yeah, on, on November, uh, what did I say, November, or February 11th, 1935, $50,000 to get these two guys. That's, uh, that's what they spent on Cochran, right? Well, that's 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 where I was going to go next with this. It sh- so the Tigers think about this. So the Tigers were on like their get last gasp right. at the end of nineteen thirty three or yeah nineteen thirty three. And so Frank Navin, the owner, goes out and rolls out that big old eye popping one zero 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 right hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, easy to print. Looks hundred thousand for <laughs> Mickey Cochran, right? Yeah, looks huge in the press. Where the sure. Tigers are going places, and I believe that it was this, a similar effect. Of these two players getting added to the Red Wings just as an eye popping. Guess what? We know our season was not good, but we just we just spent we just fifty thousand on wow. these two guys, right? And uh, you know that's what I mean. Like they so you know that's a that's a you know they might not have getting too many headlines, but that's a decent headline. That's to start letting anybody that is following Detroit hockey know that they're about to take this next season real serious. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm saying. It was a it was a it was a flashy free agent sign, and I like to think of. I like to think of a, a, a just a totally random, you know. I'm just it's a fictionalized scenario, but I like to think that this is how that trade went down. That uh, that the coach of the the uh, the coach of Ottawa who made this deal, um, he's like, yeah, I'll do forty, I'll do forty seven thousand or forty five thousand for the pair. <laughs> and Jack Adams goes, I'm not going to pay a penny less than fifty thousand. <laughs> like he bids it up because they want that, that round number. number yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, if it's, yeah. it's forty five thousand, yeah. eh, that's a lot, but it's not fifty. Yeah. Fifty thousand, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah, what I mean? Like that's bang. just got a ring to it. It's mm-hmm. almost as much of a marketing thing as anything. So it's a splash. There's no doubt about that. And so, anyways, so the next component of this story is what to understand is um, is uh, is the coach that they got this deal from because this deal is actually going to cause a ripple through the NHL. Like um, towards the end of their towards like the end of their careers. James uh, James Norris and Jack Adams, the rest of the league like hated these guys. Oh. They did not like them. They were not popular around the league. And so what? And so here's the thing. This is I'm about to read. Like this is sort. Of, I think this is one of these first examples of how their reputation around the re- league started to grow in sort of a negative, right? Um, and so um, like they didn't like detest them, but they just were like you know they they were kind of known for like. You know, like there's, you know, there's just people like they just they weren't like the in part of the inner circle like best buddy club type of thing. You know, yeah. like there were main people in it, of course, but they were like, yeah, we're not gonna, um, you know, hang out to you every day type of situation. Anyway, so what happened was is that the coach of the St. Louis Eagles is George is a guy named George Boucher, okay, yeah. and George Boucher was also the captain of the 1926-27 Ottawa Stanley Cup champions, which is, I remember that team photo we talked about. That team photo is going to come into play in so many different ways. Right. Right? And so that we showed it a few episodes ago, but it was the team photo of the 1926-27 Ottawa Stanley Cup champions, in which Jack Adams was a part of it. So George Boucher was the coach of that team, and he's the one that made this deal to sell these two players to Jack Adams and uh, James Norris. So why that's important is is because, <coughs> excuse me, following this following the season, um, at the at the at the, uh, at the winter meetings for the for the for the NHL, which t- which began in uh, October fifteenth, nineteen thirty five. So following the season, the Eagles are going to vanish. Okay, the Eagles are going to this this the Eagle. This is the final death knell of the Ottawa franchise. Right. Okay, we've talked about how they've moved around and stuff like this. But the, so the Eagles are the final incarnation of the Ottawa franchise. And after 34, 35, they're going to be completely done. They're folding. 
Okay. So what happens is when a team folds, okay, when a team folds, what ends up happening is is that all of their players get cast into a fishbowl, right? And they and then the the you know, a coach from each team draws the players out and then that's the player that they get. They get them for free. The oh, player gets, so they all put their names in a hat and they draw the players for free, right? Oh, okay. So um That's a heck of a draft. Yeah, it's, it's called a dispersal draft. You right, know? Right. Sometimes there's an expansion draft when they're about to add a team and they get to take a player from each of the teams. But in this case, it's a dispersal draft in which now the, you know, each team is getting the, the, you know, the, the, you know, all players the players are from defaulted, the thing. Yeah. Exactly. But the idea that, um, the idea, just think about this though, the idea that, uh, that, that the Eagles had sold these two guys <laughs> prior to the dispersal <laughs> yeah, yeah, draft yeah. and George Boucher, the coach of the team was also, uh, the captain of the Ottawa team and is obviously buddy buddy with Jack Adams. Yeah. Basically, like these guys are, you know, these other teams are like, you know, they should have been part of the dispersal draft. Oh, you know what yeah, I mean? So yeah, like yeah, maybe yeah, there's yeah. like some, you know, like it's almost like a, um, it's almost like because they sold it like before this happened. So shenanigans, almost shenanigan yeah. type things. Yeah, and from what I've from what I've seen, there was a little bit of an issue from Frederick McLaughlin, like you know, from the meeting. And in fact, I wrote about it in the movie to show, you know, that was one of the scenes I have in the movie is McLaughlin going. This is ridiculous, you know. They just took our, you know, they they those two guys they signed should have been part of this. So, um, so anyways, I can see that there'd be you know potentially animosity that comes out of this because they're like, yo, they should have been in the punch bowl. They shouldn't have been sold off to Adams, you know. Yeah. Now they got these two stars that come over there, um, and who's to say they weren't worth more than fifty grand? And Adams got a deal, you know. So, um, especially the way Sid's how Sid Howe's career ended up playing out, which he's turned out to be a Hall of Famer, superstar, and all this. So, um, so, anyways, I just say, and, and right around the same time, it brings up the next player that the Red Wings acquire. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Marty Berry, and so anybody that has ever looked at any Detroit Red Wings like history books, the three biggest names. Whenever they talk about the 1930s, the three biggest names they always talk about is Marty Berry, Larry Ory, and Herbie Lewis. And it's like it's clockwork, man. It is absolute clockwork. You ever look in a book about that has the 1930s? Detroit sports in it, whether it's a, a book that's focused on the Red Wings, whether it's a general history of the Red Wings history, it never fails. It's always a picture of Marty Berry in the center, Larry Ari to the right, and Herbie Lewis to the left. Uh-huh. This this line of these three guys, and with and, and with good reason. The, yeah. I mean, Marty Berry, this, this they're gonna with Mar- the addition of Marty Berry is gonna you know this they're gonna be the top line in hockey that year, but. Um, they never, nobody ever really goes into Marty Berry, and he is a Hall of Famer. Marty Berry is an okay. absolute stud, and so, but never, ever, nobody ever talks about like who he was or why he was on. He's in every single history book, and exactly what he does. And so, Marty Berry, so um, in in this in the story of how his acquisition is actually, uh, is it is actually in a lot of you know, in books. It's they, and a lot of people will actually give this credit as the lint is the one of the you know one of the, you know they always, they usually they glance over the the, you know, the preseason of this. And the main thing they do focus on is the, is the acquisition of Marty Berry in, in exchange for Cooney Weiland. Okay. All right? So we already mentioned Cooney Weiland is their lone all-star. He's like the guy that's like, you know, they're probably their best scorer on their team at that point as far as volume scorer. And Cooney Weiland is traded for Marty Berry. And Marty Berry is the, in, in his own right. They're both centers. That's what's so mm-hmm. interesting about this trade is that both Marty Berry and Cooney Weiland are both centers for their respective clubs. And they're both like amongst the top couple, three best players on their teams. So this is a straight swap for centers from for of superstar centers from two different teams, right? That's what's so interesting about this trade. Usually, like I'm going to trade a defenseman because I need to shore up my forward line or something. You know, there's always like a little bit of difference. It's rare that you ever trade like two guys that are like 
straight up. I mean, like we saw it this weekend with Matt Stafford getting traded, you know, quarterback for quarterback. We know, of course, there was other draft picks at him, yeah. but it's kind of like that. It's like, why would you trade? Why would you trade Cooney Wyland? He's an all star, his center for another center, you know, for yeah. the other different guy who's also good. Like people are always wondering about this this concept. And to answer that question, I'm actually going to bring in Jack Adams to answer this question. I got a quote right here All right. because you know that's when people were just going, "Why is that?" Like you know. So anyway, so here is um, uh, here is that page. This is one. Where is it at here? Um, where is it at? Where's my sticky notes when I need them? I had it there. Okay, so here is. Okay, here it is right here. Okay, well, so so anyway, so this is the quote right here. So. It's an article. Um, so this is this article. I didn't. I didn't have a date to this, but it okay. was a newspaper article, and it came from the scrapbooks from Norma Smith, who was the daughter of Normie Smith, who was the goalie of the Red Wings. So, God, you've met so many cool people. Yeah, no, in it your was travels, cool. so. absolutely. Yeah, Norma Smith was fantastic. I got more photos and stuff from her than probably anybody else. Sure, her, her, she had every her 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 father had collected every single article from the Red Wings for like a three or four year bracket. Wow. Every article she had just it was like an encyclopedia of Red Wings uh, newspaper photos and stuff and newspaper articles. It was it was amazing. So anyway, so th- this was an article that came out of there, but there was no date on it. Okay. That's what was. That's why I yeah. say it's an undated, yeah, yeah. Un- un- unidentified. I didn't even know what newspaper it was, and I didn't know what date it was. But it, but this story comes out of that. Okay, mm-hmm. and and like I say, the, the goal is to answer the question about why they why Jack Adams would trade these two centers center for center. Sure. So at the so at the time the deal was made, followers of the Red Wings couldn't understand what manager Jack Adams meant by allowing his first string center Iceman to get away. They shrugged their shoulders and whispered all kinds of things. Cooney had been one of the favorites with Red Wings customers. He had been the main cog in the Wings' front line working between Larry Ory and Herbie Lewis, and it was looked upon as a, to- as a fatal move to the Red Wings' chances of landing in the playoffs when Wylan was, se- was sent away, even for Barry. We got around to talking about the trade and other night in the dressing rooms while the Wings and Bruins were preparing for their battle. I'd say it was a perfect trade, manager Adams remarked. I understand. I have nothing against Wyland. I think he's a great player. Yes, a great one. But I am perfectly satisfied with the work Barry, with the work of Barry for us, and I know the Bruins are satisfied with the results too. So I'd say it was a perfect trade. What caused you to break up your first string line and make the deal in the first place? Adams was asked. That's easy to answer. The smiling pilot of the Wings came back. There is no denying that Wyland is a great player, but what we needed more than anything else was was beef combined with speed. We had to have players who could stand up under the the strain of hard cam- of a hard campaign. And what and what did we have? We had Long John Sorrell and Gordon Pettinger, two slim fellows. We had Larry Ory, another little fellow, and we had Wyland. The, the long and we had Wyland. The long grind was too much of a strain on them. We needed someone with beef who still combined the virtues of all the others. Of the other, so yeah, he did an Iron Man. So he needed he needed a, bru- a little bit more of a bruiser. Yeah, right? he needed a little bit more of a bruiser. And Wyland was more of this, like the you know the smaller goal scoring types that he had plenty of. Yeah. So that was sort of the answer to that you know to that question. And that's like a, that was that's a, a question that the that's one of the biggest questions throughout the entire year that newspaper articles are having fodder with saying who got the better of the Cooney Wyland. Mary, Marty Berry trade that was mm-hmm. like the one of the main. They, they were always revisiting, revisiting that subject. In fact, there was that one like they were keeping track of how many goals each had scored mm. to compare it with each other to say you know to try to see you know who would win out on that this trade. You know that I mean, it was a, an ongoing story throughout the entire oh, year. Okay. And so, anyways, so we already got an indication from Adams. That Marty Berry uh, was, you know, they needed more beef, a bigger guy, more rugged guy. And I've got this great quote here that um, this is the only other quote I really want to read today, but it's I yeah. think it's a good one. 
Um, and it's a, and it and it's a little description about um, uh, about what kind of player Marty Berry was. Okay. So this this article this actually comes once again from Phil Arranger if they played hockey in heaven which is the Jack Adams story. So um, this is talks about um, Barry Marty Barry and like um, and like there's like say you know that rugged component that Adams was looking for in in that player. So seldom one to get a penalty and never one to commit a deliberate foul. Barry paradoxically was the league's most feared man on the ice. Nobody monkeyed around with the Montreal Irishman. They were afraid of the wicked power he had in each of his massive fists and learned early in his career to respect the Detroit star. In his early days in the league, before everybody became aware that he was such a gentleman, Lionel Conacher made the mistake of smashing Barry into the boards and then slashing him with his stick. Mm. Lionel, if you do that again, I'll cut your head off with my fingernails and toss it in the net, Barry said, <laughs> holding the stunned Conacher a foot off the ice with one of his strong arms. Rival players heard about the warning, but they were apparently skeptics or playing deaf. Marty soon cured them and made believers of all of them with his hammering hands. Nice. So once again, Lionel Conacher makes an appearance. We talked about him briefly last episode. Lionel Conacher, Lionel Conacher was voted the best athlete, the best Canadian athlete of the first half of the 20th century. Yeah. I mean, this guy played every sport. He was a monster. He was one of Lionel Conacher was one of the most feared men in hockey too. Like. He's saying he held him up with one hand. Like I might have to dispute that a little bit because Lionel Conacher was tough. Man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's picking him up with one hand. Like you know, like going, "Don't you ever say that to me again." Like he's like Arnold. You know, yeah, going, yeah, yeah. "Don't you ever mess with me again like that, Lionel." You know, like he's uh, not. I don't think he's that awesome. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no doubt that he was tough because that comes out all the time. And I have no doubt that people didn't really want to mess with Barry. Yeah. Like he wasn't like he. Ebby Goodfell. Ebby Goodfell was the type of player that, like, Ebby would scrap, like, you know, he was he was almost like an, he was, I don't want to say he was an enforcer like a Bob Probert, but he was more of the type of guy that, like, you know, he looked out for his teammates, he looked out for himself, he had no, he had no, you know, problem with jumping into a fight. He was a little bit more of the fight starter, whereas Marty Barry was more of, like, the type that, like, just let me do my thing and you're not going to get hurt. You know, like don't, but just don't mess with me though. If you mess mm. with me, it's over. You know, what I mean, like he was that kind of guy. Like he didn't like really seek the fights out, but if you got tangled up with him, you're probably in trouble. You know, so they it was just wise to just play hockey with him, not try to you know body him too much and you know get us get him all get him upset with you. So and so, anyways, that was the type of player that we're dealing with here. In the in the skill set that he had was besides just being like a goal scorer. Yeah. They, he, Marty Berry was one of, if not the best passer in the entire league. Mm. He was an he was an outstanding passer. That's well, huge, man. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, it's getting it getting onto the other person's stick. I mean, that's uh, that's the key. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, so Marty Berry is so that's how Marty Berry is acquired, and so he's again, so he's like an anchor of this top line with Larry Ory and Marty Berry. Did he call in the in the article there? Did they, did they call him the Montreal Irishman? Yeah, he said that... the Mont- Nobody he said nobody nobody monkeyed around with the Montreal Irishman. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So I love all these little nicknames, yeah. right? The you know the Ottawa Assassin, yeah. the Montreal Irishman. Yeah, and you just, get a, you almost get a picture of the type of I guy. I love like, all these little... the Montreal Irishman, like just like this rugged tough yeah. guy, like. Thing, oh, yeah. you know, like you almost like it just paints a picture just with I those l- nicknames. Love all the little nicknames. Yeah. Man. So anyway, so that's how they get Marty Barry, who's gonna be like, you know, he's gonna have this and he's just gonna have an incredible year um by the end of the year. And he's gonna be again, he's gonna be the guy that everybody sees in the Detroit history books. Um whenever you see whenever you see which is very rare, whenever you see they all you know, they gotta mention something about the thirty thirties Red Wings, you know. Yeah. They gotta have at least one picture. Yeah. And whenever they do, it's always that. You know, it's rare that you, the only other maybe the second most ever seen player is maybe 
maybe Normie Smith, the goalie, mm-hmm. or or Ebby. It's it's even rare to see Ebby Goodfell. It's like it's 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 always the 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 line with Barry, Ori, and Lewis, and then it's rarely anything else. You don't see anything else, right? And then like you know, like I say, if you do see something else, rarely. It'll be Abby Goodfellow or Normie Smith. Otherwise, there's nothing. You don't see anybody else. All right. And it's like, um, and so that's what I'm saying. Like that, so that so this is the guy that's in that picture that if you got a, if you're listening right now and you got a Detroit history book, go open it up and see what I'm saying. Yeah. You're gonna flip to the hockey section, and there's gonna be one picture there, and it's gonna be Barry Orion Lewis. And so this is the guy that centers that line in 34, 30, or in 35, 36, and for the next three years after that. Do we get to the hurricane talking about nicknames? That's our next man. Is that the hurricane? That's the next man. Yeah, you got All the right. picture ready to go. I got a, I got a picture of the the hurricane. So this is the yeah. So here we go. So this is so the next guy on our list. So so now we've got you know we talked about the, the first three guys that are key to understand that the next guy to bring up is Hurricane Heck Kilria. Uh, yeah. So this is so the photo I got up on the screen here. Um, we have a picture of Heck. It's isolated from the uh, from that same nineteen twenty the nineteen twenty six twenty seven Ottawa team photo. Okay. All right. This is another guy, another connection okay. to that team. And so he was actually a line mate with Jack Adams on that team. And so Jack knows him incredibly well. In fact, he had that. In fact, so he had played with Ottawa, and then um and then it, it, from nineteen twenty five to nineteen thirty one, and then when Ottawa again was having trouble, when they were having difficulties. Uh, the Ottawa sent him on loan to the Falcons, so he'd already played for Detroit in nineteen thirty in nineteen thirty one thirty two as a Detroit Falcon. And so after that nineteen thirty one thirty two season, I think he was a little bit of a mercenary at that point. He was allowed to kind of pick what team he wanted to go to mm-hmm. because the team he because the team he went to because he jumped after that thirty one thirty two season when he was on loan, he went over to Toronto for for the nineteen thirty three thirty four season, and then. In nineteen after thirty uh, thirty uh, after that he he ends up signing up with uh, with the wet, with the Red Wings nineteen thirty five uh, for the before the nineteen thirty five season and he's and he's acquired for seventy five hundred dollars and so seventy five hundred dollars what the Red Wings pay for him so they buy him too and so again so seventy five hundred dollars and so he, um, so Hekil Ria is uh, known as so he is known as one of the fastest men in the NHL okay he is speed and he is scoring. Um, he doesn't put up massive numbers. He's more of kind of like a like a second or third line um, like winger, and he like you know he, he he's going to chip in goals pretty regularly. And so he was called by um, by Tommy Gorman, who was a just legendary coach at the time, uh, Montreal Maroons coach in this year. And so and he was called by Tommy Gorman, uh, the most dangerous man on the Detroit club. Mm. So he's one of these guys that like he's not like the number one guy by any means, but he's the guy that if you're if you don't if you don't um, have somebody on him at pretty much all times. You can't just put some raw bone rookie on him. He's gonna, you know, he'll he'll abuse you all game. So you have to account for him in some capacity. He was a dangerous player. He was a like I say, he was a, con- a consistent goal scorer. Chipped in with goals like kind of when it counted. And uh, and actually in 1928, he there was actually a fastest man in the NHL contest, and he won that. And the, what you had to do was you had to skate around the rink with a puck. And they would time you to see how fast you could skate around the ice. And he's and he list, There's an article that talks about in the book I have it. It show it, when he when he raced in 28. He has a list of all the different times for all the different players that he raced against. And he had the top one. It was 16.25 seconds. 
a lap around the ice in 16 seconds with a puck, like skating with it. Wow. Like this guy is a, a just a burner. Like I don't know. I don't, you know, to c- compare like how – I don't really have anything to compare it to, but I know I can't do it. Like 16 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 16 yeah. seconds? It would yeah. take me probably that long just to get halfway down the In an Uber maybe. But, uh... Yes, I mean that's just – he's just – I mean he was super, you know, super fast. And um, you know, like I say, so he is. So he, so he's going to be a main. He's going to be a big time contributor to this Red Wings team, and it kind of gives Jack Adams depth. You know, he doesn't have. You know, like the, he's not. A, he's not on this top line, but he knows that whatever line he puts Heck on um, is going to be a you know an offensive threat whenever he's on the ice. So, wow. so that's what he brings to the for, to the team in this you know, with their with his acquisition. So, and again, back to that twenty seven. That team, group, amazing! Just so many things coming out of there. Yeah, we haven't even got to all of them yet. You know, this yeah. so so um. So, anyways, that's what I mean. Like that, what I said at the beginning, I was like, this team is so important because it's like yeah, yeah. because Adams, you know, and it wasn't a coincidence. That's where Jack Adams played. You know, yeah. he was there. Yeah. He met all these guys. That's where he came on directly to the Red Wings, and that was like his pipeline. To, you know, to other you know to the other teams and stuff to other people. I love how this is unfolding with this team. That's what I'm saying. The connections are there. So this, so you know, that's what we want to talk. This is the man. These are all the people I want to talk to for the, about in this episode because the next episode it's like a whole another batch of players, mm-hmm. and they're going to be coming from like a whole different. Different angles, so that's why I was, you know, happy to kind of encapsulate these guys um, in this. You know, these are like these are the, these are some you know big time guys that are going to factor. And so, long as serve it now, we you know we dropped, we lost uh, Cooney Weiland in the trade for for uh, Marty Berry. So now um, we've we found nine. That's you know country numbers that we got four guys plus the five anchor guys that we already talked about. So that's nine guys that we've that we've identified that are going to be guys that are part of this 1935 season, uh. like core guys. So. We got about six to go. You All know, right. but next next week we're going to be talking. Um, there's a couple, two or three guys that are it's going to that you know that are just going to rotate throughout the sure. season. So next week we're going to be talking about uh, I don't know how to know the exact number, but uh, I think yeah, three guys, three guys next week that are going to form um, the you know three more. So they have twelve of the guys, and then there's probably three guys for the rest of you that are just kind of rotators. But but I'm saying like so next week we're going to there's a great story to come up with next week and. Um, yeah, so this is so this why so we got through what I wanted to get through. Yeah. Matt and I have a, a small uh, Hall of Fame hockey brag. We kind of uh, do, really. Yeah. What is yeah. it? What do we What do we got coming up there, Matt Fox? Uh, Man Cave Happy Hour, uh, the little podcast that Jamie and I do. Yeah, yeah. we have a, uh, a a Chicago Blackhawk. Yep, goalie Hawk Hall of Fame baby Hall of Fame uh, goalie. He's going to be joining the man cave because he uh, started his own bourbon company. Eddie really? Eddie Belfort. Eddie Belfort. Oh my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're going to have Eddie. I think yeah, the Eagle. I think they call him. Yep. So, uh, I believe so yeah. Yeah, yeah, Eddie the Eagle. Eagle. So we're going to have Eddie. Uh, Eddie's going to yeah, be with us on the uh, man cave happy hour uh, That's cool. coming up on February twenty third. Yeah. Yes, uh, a Tuesday seven p.m. Is that what the nickname was? Did I get it? Oh, I thought you were saying yes because you looked it up. And, uh, no, 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 no. You're good. Yeah, February twenty third. What is he? Detroit? Is he Detroit? Oh, he's going to be on the. Yeah, he's going to be on. He's going to zoom. He's going to zoom on in. That's cool, man. Yeah. Uh, if anybody's a, 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 a hockey fan, a Eddie fan, a Blackhawk, yeah, cool. I fun, think he man. played for the Leafs in Dallas, and uh, he, 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 there were like three teams he played. Yeah. Like I he played did for the like Blackhawks. He was tough for them. That's nineteen yeah, years, yeah. He yeah. nineteen years. A lot of them with the Blackhawks. The, the other major teams escaping me, and I know Dallas. No, he was no. He, he moved was, around a little bit. Yeah, but, no, uh, he was great. He was a great goalie. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so we're gonna have uh, Eddie. I'm really excited about that it. That is cool. Yeah. And they're gonna, and they're and they're supposedly sending us some of his bourbon too, which makes me. Pretty damn yeah, that's happy. Cool. So, that's cool. Uh, keep that's checking uh, my mailbox. I'm like, honey, did the mail come in? Yeah. The mail come in? Damn. I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna, uh, 
<laughs> so yeah, little uh, little brag for yeah. uh, called uh, Belfort Spirits. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah Belfort. Bel- yeah, so he's got uh, he's got a, he's got a rye, he's got a whiskey, he's got a bourbon, mm-hmm. and I think he's a, does he have a he's got one other like either a, a gin or a vodka. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dig into it. So yeah, yeah so he's got uh, he's got a lot, a, of, a lot of toast. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's always a fun uh, show to do. Yeah. You talk about Clank. Yeah, cracking, <laughs> try Clank. some new bourbons out. That's a great show. So Tom, you had something over there. You tell me you want to tell me about. Well, Is we that no, well here's here? that we, yeah well you know we're going to close up these shows with a little uh, did you know from Tom little little segment here yeah. so do we have that uh, Matt do you have the little sound bite thing that beeps in I believe like Jamie's that? got it right there do you have the little button that you push to like say like it's like a little song goes oh did you know with Tom like some kind of like <laughs> you know, like a little jingle like well, now did we you do. know with no, Tom next, he is here <laughs> you know like some kind of song that plays so, with it like next week Oh, okay, we didn't have that right. I thought we had that ready to go. Oh, that's right. We didn't talk about it. I'm just no, made it up right here and trying to put you on the spot. Okay. I just I forgot. All right. Um All right, hold on. We got okay. Did you know with Tom? Well, that's not bad. You pinched, there you go. You Matt, Matt's you came in it. with a pinch. Matt's freestyling over there. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> well, I guess if did you know that the Los Angeles Lakers were once the Detroit Gyms? Get out. In 1946, the Gyms were formed in Dearborn, Michigan. And they only lost four games, oh. or they won, they won four and lost forty six. And a man came from Minneapolis and bought them and renamed them the Lakers. And now they're in Los Angeles, and they were the Detroit Gems. Well, so did he take them to uh, Minneapolis yeah, first? Because that's well, the they, land of a thousand lakes, well, too. What, yeah. Well, what they did is they were the Gems, and then they bought the franchise, moved them to Mil- uh, to Minneapolis, uh-huh. renamed the team the Lakers, and then they went to Los Angeles. So if you root for the Los Angeles Lakers, you're rooting for the Detroit Gems. Yeah, did you that's know where they that? started? Yeah. Well, here's I, the thing, Tom. I did know that. And I want to add one little thing to that yeah. story because I only I only knew that because you told me. I mean, right. but it was years ago, and I actually looked into it a little bit on my own spare time, and I found something else that's kind of cool to add on to your well, you know, digital on. story. I did because you, you haven't know. been talking go enough. Go ahead, go ahead, Jamie. I'll turn it over to you, buddy. <laughs> I got nothing. That's all snarky. I'll put you on the spot. Snarky. Let's just take a nice little silent pause. snarky snarky Jamie, comments is all let I got. Jamie just have this abnormal spotlight. Snarky for a snarky comments are all I have. That was so, it. anyways, you, what you mentioned there was the record of the Detroit Jazz. Well, I'll just take it right on in. Yeah, I'll yeah, take yeah, it right yeah. on in. They, so the record, so, but what? They won. So, so you mentioned the record. Mention the record again of they, the, of they, the Detroit they won, Gems. They won four and lost 46. That's awful, right? You oh. lose 46 games out of 50? Right. That's hideous. That's kind of like. Detroit sports it's, today. It's like well, it's not that bad, but they <laughs> but it's like the Philadelphia Quakers, which is you know the worst record. I mean, that's one of the worst records ever, right? But here's this is a this is like a did you know I want to add on? To yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, whenever a team they had the NBA draft back then. Okay, they had the NBA draft back then. Yeah, and so what? So just like today, the the worst team gets the top overall pick. Sure. Okay, and because of the Detroit Gems' awful season. When they moved to Minneapolis, they moved with the number one overall pick. So when they landed in Minneapolis to start this thing, they got the number one overall pick in the draft. You know who they acquired? I bet you I do. I don't. Uh, George Mike. Got it. Tom, get it. So I did, my, did you know the time? Who is it? George, George Mike was like the first superstar in the NBA. Oh, okay. Like, he was a dominant, dominant How center. How long were they in uh, Minneapolis? Dominant. 
How long were they in Minneapolis? Just a couple years, I think. Three or four years. Yeah, it wasn't long. Was, it, was Mike and Wither when they he, moved because to when Mike LA? And, because when Mike and went out to L.A., he was like the first great L.A. Okay. Lakers center. Right, right. And right. he was like the star. I mean, he was like yeah. a superstar. And like he was like the first like superstar of the NBA. Okay. And they're like, how did we get this guy? They're like, you know, nobody knows. But he's just here. You know, He's amazing. He, he blew chunks yeah, a few years like, ago. That's it's kind of like that's how the Lakers always are. You look at them, they're like, Hold on a second. They got Shaquille O'Neal. How'd they get him? <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Like, I know how they got him, but I'm saying, like, you're like, oh, that's all right. You know, yeah, they got Kobe. They got Shaquille. They got, you know, they got, you know, uh, LeBron J. How'd they get him again? Like, it's just crazy. Like, it goes all the way back. I mean, they got Wilt Chamberlain. All they got, they got Wilt Chamberlain. How'd they get him? Like, yeah. didn't he play with the, you know, Bucks or whatever? They got Magic Johnson. How do they get, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, they just always are like, oh, yeah, yeah, we got uh, George Mike in. You know, they're like, where did he come from? He he yeah. really helped build the NBA, Mike and. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he, he was that he, star. Yeah. yeah, like if you look up George Mike, so many things lead yeah. back to Detroit. Yeah, but if you yeah. look up anybody that's listening to this, if you have a if you have a chance to look up George Mike and, um, whenever you start, if you know any like even like Wikipedia, I'm sure has a pretty good write up on him because he was that big of a guy, big of a name or whatever, and you'll see how big of an impact he was on the NBA. George Mike was like one of like sort of like the guy that the entire NBA kind of coalesced around, you know, he was like this big dominant center. And then the LA Lakers started adding more pieces. And they won, they started being championship teams and stuff. And so, yeah, he was a big guy. And so that's, but they, they got him because the gems were so bad. There you go. Yeah. They were bad. Yeah. All right. So Tom, you always say this about this hour. Where does it go? Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. just, yeah. Uh, and there it is. It's another hour gone. Detroit city of champions, Detroit city of champions.com on the socials. Find us uh, YouTube and, and Facebook. Thank you. If you've listened uh, thanks for sharing these stories, you know, listening in and tuning in for these stories. We appreciate it. Any comments uh, are, are greatly appreciated and, and most very welcome. Subscribe if you haven't. Uh, and uh, Matt, thanks for all you're doing over there. Just pushing your buttons. That's, you do a great job, buddy. That is Damn, it. Tom, awesome. I appreciate nice you coming in. Well, thank you there. very much. It's an honor to be <laughs> trudging, here. And... Trudging in. And uh, I just enjoy I just I, I thank you, Charles, for letting me listen to the stories and say rude things. <laughs> no, you're no, I thank you guys for doing this whole thing, for, for the interest and for your, the studio you guys have here. It's yeah. a beautiful studio. I always brag yeah. about how great it is in here. And, oh, thank you. Um, you guys are always very welcoming. And um, you know, me and Tom, after the show, usually just like hang out. You guys are like walking out the door. I Me and Tom, we're sitting here <laughs> hand talking about stuff for like a half hour. So yeah. I appreciate all the you know. You guys are always really cool, and I always appreciate all the work you guys. Awesome. Well, and everybody that's joining us uh, on this adventure, uh, Ming Chen uh, gave us a thumbs up. Yes, uh, the did. comic comic book men. Um, okay. He was uh, he's from New Jersey. He was on uh, with uh, the comic Ben. Oh, uh, Kevin the, Smith. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, Kevin Smith and excellent. Comic. Yeah, well, yeah. Thank you. He's, very a, he's much. a big. He's a big New Jersey podcast guy. All right, so, cool. Uh, no, thank a, you. Thanks for lots of lots yeah. of love between Detroit and New Jersey Appreciate on the podcast yeah. sides. Oh, yeah. Sports, not so much. Podcast, <laughs> yeah. lots of love back and forth between <laughs> yeah. Detroit and New Jersey. So, all right. Appreciate that. We'll do it again. And everybody else who uh, Erica chimed in and uh, a couple other people as well. So, thank I think you. Erica was laughing at you and uh, your, your intro because uh, yeah. first time I heard your intro, I did not know that was you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he's, he's got yeah. his own little. He's got his nineteen thirty. Voice I love that. that's so much fun. Oh, and, you know, uh, Catherine, totally. Catherine said hi as My well. My sister, yes. yep. So uh, thanks everybody who uh, checks Tell in with us. Hi. And uh, hi. hi back, Catherine. We'll see you guys next time. It's uh, Detroit City of Champions.